Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeffrey Lyles. Back at it one more time with another installment of Lyles Movie Files. Joining me, as always, is a little brother, Jace. How are you out there, brother? I'm doing well, bro. Had fun. Uh, watched a good movie on, uh, what was that, uh, Tuesday. So, feeling good. So, you finally were able to contribute to the box office of Marvel's big hit, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. What'd you think? I was. Uh, I, I had to laugh a little bit because, as I said for like the last couple of weeks, I really thought that they should have put that on um, premium access and I would have gladly paid my $30 for it. But they didn't. They made a lot of money. I'm sure they're like, haha, we know better than you. But I got over because I actually was able to watch the movie for the $7 matinee price. Versus paying the thirty dollars of Disney props that I was gonna pay, but so and I got to see a good movie, so it worked out great for me. So, what's your favorite part of the movie? Um, I think my favorite part was the in battle scene because I I really did like you know seeing all like the the um, the people the, the village folk from uh, Shang Chi's mom um, his mom's side going against the. Ten Rings army and then the Soul Eater army coming out after his dad, the Mandarin, but not, well, the Mandarin Mandarin, hearing that his, his wife's voice said, no, nah, no, nah, I know what I'm doing. I was like, okay. I mean, I've been around for like a couple thousand years. I had one woman who made me hang it all up, so yeah, I'm going to go buck for this one. So I like that. He was literally jagged edge. Girl, I'll trade it all. <laughs> hey, that world's for suckers anyway. Money, rings, you could have it all. <laughs> so, I, I really, but like I said, I, I, I think I also like the fight scene with him and his sister on the side of the on the side of the building. That was cool too. I really like that one. You look like you are getting uh, some very important news alerts. What's going on over there? Is it breaking oh, news? No. Or no, I'm actually. I'm just trying to make sure that all, all messages are off. My bad. Okay. Focus. There you go. All right. My favorite fight scene was that skyscraper fight. I really love that one. I love the lighting. I like how Death Dealer looked like a really impressive threat during that fight scene. I really hated the Captain Phasma treatment of said Death Dealer in that last act, I was like, oh, come on, man. Tip Taylor's got the coolest look in this whole joint. I was even the first one sucked up. It's just, I really want. I mean, I, I, I was expecting some some uh, words coming out of Death Girl. I don't know anything about Death Girl other than it was a cool costume. Now, did you see the movie in uh, regular or did you see it like in IMAX? No, I just saw it in regular. That was one. I think that was probably the last press screening I've been to. So it was just me, maybe 10, 12 critics. So I, and it was funny because the theater that we went to has an IMAX theater. And we were all like, you know, oh, oh, the nerve. We're not here in the IMAX theater. It was, you know, it was super pretentious critic stuff. Um, but yeah, I was like, are we really not going into IMAX to watch this movie that would be awesome on IMAX? So probably eventually. And it was interesting because this week marks the the week that Black Widow came out on Blu-ray, 4K, etc., what have you. And right now, Black Widow is like the highest grossing right now. 
Shang-Chi is about to take over and become the first film of the pandemic era to cross that special $200 million threshold. Why do you think this movie did that? I have a few thoughts, but I want to hear what you think first. Uh, as much as some people hate to say it, it's that diverse audience that seems to bring in more people. Um, our our world is changing. It's not the you can't have uh, Matt Damon be the last samurai or Great Wall of China and think you're going to make money now. It's now you're going to win by putting, hey, these aren't the same people. Oh, these people look like me. I'm willing to listen to more stories that don't sound like the same thing I've heard rehashed 9,000 times. And I, I'm, I'm, I think that was a big component of it. I'm like, I want to see somebody. And there's, and let me add the other aspect. We're excited to see, I mean, for Marvel fans, we are excited to see where phase four is. Like, who, I mean, like seeing Wong as the new uh, Agent Coulson, like, hey, I'm cool with that too. Like, let's see where all of it goes. Yeah, I think for me, I, <laughs> I thought that the success of this film is directly, you know, like in comparison to Black Widow, we're focusing on a character that's still alive. Black Widow's movie came at a time when she was at her absolute coldest because she's dead. There's nothing to look forward to with Natasha's adventures. And I think the whole lawsuit was probably not the best move because it's like, dude, your character's dead. I mean, you're only going to make so much money because, I mean, people just aren't excited about watching a movie about a character that we know is going to die. Um... You know, it's just this weird thing because this is like the first Marvel movie in a really long time that I haven't rushed off to Target, Best Buy, etc. and get it on that Tuesday. I was like, uh, you know what? This is probably one I could watch on Disney Plus and be fine until it's cheap. And I don't think I'll feel that way with Shang-Chi. But I also think that because they're not doing 3D movies, I didn't have that major incentive to get it on opening weekend like I do for most of these movies. Um, you know, because I love watching them in 3D. As I'm one of the few holdouts is still holding on desperately, cradling my 3D TV saying, please don't go. So, yeah, th those are my reasons on why I think Shang-Chi is doing way better than Black Widow. You know, the funny thing, I think they actually had a 3D screening Shang-Chi and I was like I was like oh you know I, I you know I didn't think about it but I definitely once I went to the regular screen I'm like as one of our friends usually says this could be crisper and I really was like yeah I probably should have spent the extra bucks to see it and then there were definitely scenes I'm like oh I could definitely see it's working in 3D but I was almost glad I'm like since I will never be able to see it in 3D after it comes out so it was like, eh, I'd rather just see it on like a good 4K TV and pick it up probably around Black Friday. No, that probably won't even be released then. So I'll probably pick it up like next year and enjoy it. Yeah, I think I think Black Friday, at least for a sale price, may be a bit dicey for you, guy. Um, but I think this is a good sign that people are still excited about Marvel movies. There's, you know, a lot of hate 
lot, maybe I shouldn't say a lot of hate, but there's still a little hate. Like, oh man, these Marvel movies, these comic book films are all the same. It's like, eh, okay. I mean, you know, people choose to see movies they want to see. And if they're not seeing other movies, I think we should just agree that people care about these Marvel films. Again, at, at, look at how the box, and, not, and I don't even say this, if you could have had all the art house movies available last year, it still wouldn't have done probably half of what Shang-Chi did in, in its theatrical run. So Hollywood now is very, I mean, I think Hollywood and less on these snobby critic type types, like, yo, we need these blockbuster movies. Well, like, well, hey, if you guys want us to do a cameo, if you want Helen Mirren in a cameo with Fast and Furious, we'll make it happen because we need to keep everybody working and the residual checks coming for everybody. And I think every the, act, the working actors like, bring me more Marvel movies and put my tail in it as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of high quality actors, Oscar winners showing up in these comic book movies now. So I think to just dismiss them like, this, this is just bad entertainment is, is a lazy complaint at this point. Um, one other thing I was kind of curious about this with black widow, black widow made a lot. It's opening weekend in theaters and on Disney plus. It looks like it's going to be the only Marvel blockbuster film that's going to have that dual release. I am a little bit, I don't know if upset's the right word. I feel bad for people who, for their safety, don't want to go to theaters. And are like, I really wish I could. I really, gee, I wish there was an avenue that I could see a movie that we, they did for a whole year. And I just kind of feel like, maybe a month maybe but i feel like there should be some concession to people who are worried because the pandemic is still going on that i want to see movies i want to support stuff i want to see but i care about my health way more than lining disney's pockets so i wish in that regard they had tried this model with shang chi because i think it would have done well it would have done well on both formats because people would want to see it in theaters and people who, you know, there's an audience as we saw with Black Widow that would pay to see something at home. And I don't know if that those audiences are blending as much as maybe Disney thinks. I think the concession is that after its 90 day theatrical release it goes to disney plus and i think that is a huge i mean that is a huge concession because it's not going to vod in another let's say six weeks before it comes out on blu-ray so now if you just have a little patience you're like you know i really would have loved to support this movie in theater but i do care about my health i will i can wait 90 days and i think I mean, there's nothing in these new movies right now that is so like the next movie is coming out in six weeks. You got to go see this in theaters. You can now say, hey, I can wait 90 days. I'll watch it, enjoy it. And if I really want to support it, I'll pick up the Blu-ray um, you know, as soon as that comes out. Yeah, but I don't know. There's, there's, I think there's money on the table is my point. <laughs> and just saying, all right, just theaters only. Is taking away a little bit of money, a little bit of that money. So well, well, here, I mean, here's here, the kind of flip side of that is 
Shang-Chi is the first one that is one or it's not both. It's not the hybrid. And it's, as you said, it's the first one to cross 200 million. So, or about to cross 200 million. It's like, I don't know if Black Widow would have done 200 million because I think the initial audience saw that movie and then it's like, okay, I'm, I don't need to bring in anybody else to tell it's a great movie. It's like, you can wait for this one. But Shang-Chi is like, we, hey, we are showing you. The people who feel safe are finding ways to see this movie in we're probably not losing out that we're probably missing a couple million, but we're not missing out on significant millions not to see this one. I really hope that at the beginning of the movie, they just run a loop of how to say his name, because I think we've done every variation of his name so far in this 12 minutes. All right, moving on. So we got the first look official look teaser trailer of Hawkeye. Now this is kind of an interesting first glimpse here because we're seeing the handing of the reins. Clint Barton's about to turn over the moniker, the identity of Hawkeye to Kate Bishop. And of course we know Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye. He's been that way since uh, Thor. And Haley Steinberg is going to be playing Kate Bishop. And just from the trailer and from reading the comic book that this is based off of, I was really excited. They've got so many of the visuals from that comic. And and it looks like it's got the tone. It's got the dog with the one eye missing. It's got the tracksuit dudes. I mean, it's, it's just like, okay, you guys are really knocking this out. And it's got a Christmas setting. So people are going to be like, ah, this is Marvel's answer to Die Hard. A Christmas action epic what did you think when you saw this trailer i it is i I always think like jeremy renner's hawkeye has not been the hawkeye i'm I'm kind of typically used to like i i do remember the one like his avengers um the mightiest hero is more of kind of hawkeye i was used to and his was very much i'm cocky i'm good but I'm not over the top ridiculous thinking I can take out Thor. I mean, Thor or uh, Hulk. And he would last literally just like to, like, oh, shoot, he's an idiot. He was never but, really like that. He was just very <laughs> confident in his abilities to the point he where he, he had a sense of bravado. And he wasn't often, I'm just a guy that shoots lousy arrows. Which is good because you don't want your guy who's just shooting arrows next to Thor and Iron Man having all this self-identity and self-esteem crisis all the time. It's much better to have him go, all right, guys, let's go do this thing. And he's leading these guys in action. They're like, "Uh, right, we're right behind you, Clint. Okay, let's go. So I've always liked that. I wish he was a tad cockier because I think that would have been a nice element to add. But I guess they kind of... (laughs) gave more of that persona to Thor, which then, of course, negated the need for Hawkeye to do that. And, and, and But the, I think over the long stretch of the character, him, you know, making Thor, I mean, uh, Hawkeye, the family man, actually gave him a lot more depth. And now you can see kind of after, what was it, five years as Ronan, he might kind of want to be nowhere near the Hawkeye persona or anything dealing with that. So him handing up to somebody who's not as jaded or not, you know, bad from their times in Budapest with S.H.I.E.L.D. 
somebody who really just wants to help out, you know, it seems like a good, like, okay, I'm, 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 it's Hawkeye is me, was Natasha's partner, S.H.I.E.L.D., Avenger. Somebody else wants to do this and not has that weight of guilt. I'm cool with. And the trailer kind of looked like it was a little lighthearted. I'm like, it did give me those kind of, you know, diehard vibes. I was like, okay, well, I, when that comes out, I'm definitely going to check it out. And I think the timing on Hawkeye will be really good beyond just the holiday sense, but also because they've gone so heavy and serious with tones, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki was like heavy. Uh, What If is very heavy just in terms of the subject matters. WandaVision maybe was the lightest of the bunch, but even then that got seriously to a traumatic, how am I coping with everything that's happened in my life kind of thing. So this one looks to flip that entirely and just be fun. And Kate Bishop in the comics is very confident in her abilities. Very over, I wouldn't say overconfident. She's super confident. And she's talking to Hawkeye, Clint, like, yeah, of course, I've got this. So I like the twist here for the show where she's kind of like the, I say, she's not perfect. And she's learning how to do this thing. And I love that take on her. I think for the big screen, small screen, that's going to make her character a lot more endearing to mainstream audiences. I think is we, some of the older, older folks, we're always getting like, oh, jaded, we're, you know, oh, you're passing the torch. And I think Marvel has done a very good job of easing that, you know, transition a lot. I mean, it's like, I mean, it was very heavy with the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, soon to be Captain America and the Winter Soldier. But this one seems like it is like, hey, we're going to do some Christmas antics, Die Hard. Hopefully it's not Home Alone antics, but in that, in its time, is really funny too. But I think we're not going to have, this is going to be a much more lighthearted version. Like, hey, here's passing the torch. Enjoy so for those of us keeping track at home marvel studios is really getting close to putting the pieces together for young avengers team we've got elijah um isaiah's grandson from the falcon and winter soldier we've got cassie man man and the wasp all grown up now and she can become stature whenever because that's just with this iteration of the character is just putting on a costume and tapping a few buttons to become smaller or larger as needed. We've introduced Wanda and Vision's children to some extent. Um, who else is left then? Is it Nova? No, Kid that's Nova? the champions. So I'm oh, curious okay. what they're going to do. They're going to merge comic fans' expectations for the champions and have Kid Nova uh, Miss Marvel, Miles Morales, and put them into the Young Avengers. But I'm kind of thinking they shouldn't because Spider-Man is not an adult yet, and he needs to That's... not be part of the Young Avengers. So, I don't know. I'm curious what they do with this. Yeah, because I know we talked uh, I think the le- last episode like kind of, that there's problem like Miles Morales might actually be in uh, you know, the next Spider-Man, but it that is the kind of rub. It's like he was not learning from a young, jaded, I mean, an older 
not jaded Peter Parker, but he's like he's nowhere near. Yeah, like he's he's still he's not he doesn't have he's he has experience you know, but he's you know still coping from you know Tony Tony's death, and now it's like he he on a whole new world. So I don't think he could easily switch in there, but we'll see. I think the next time you say jaded, I'm gonna act like we're on Pee Wee's Playhouse and just go. I'm just gonna say like jaded, like you know the jade, the old singing group, you know. But jade, don't walk away. All right, that's a perfect transition. So coming out this Tuesday, F9, uh, the latest installment of the Fast and Furious epic saga, coming at you from Universal Pictures. On 4K, Blu-ray, of course, it's the movie, but a ton of special features, including a day on the set with Justin Lin, Justice for Han, John Cena, Supercar Superfan, and a feature commentary with theatrical and director's cut from producer, co-writer, director, Justin Lin. I always love those because you get to hear a little bit more of what they're thinking with the movie. So looking forward to seeing that breaking it out. Thanks to the fine folks at Universal for the early preview review copy. I will have that on LousMovieFiles.com. So, of course, you can decide, yes, put me off that pre-order. I want this on Tuesday. So, yes. Are you excited about F9 seeing that on Tuesday? Little bro. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, and that was the whole... I had to make sure I went on a Tuesday at like one o'clock to go actually see that in the movie theater. It, I mean, that have been delayed for a year now. I was definitely going to see that and I can add that to my collection. If I just go on lousemoviefile.com. That was beautiful. Excellent work there. And I don't think you could possibly have done it better. But if you could, I may ask, what if Jace was a professional endorser of all this stuff? But right now we're going to talk about what if. Haha. <laughs> How's that for a smooth and simple segue? Very good. All right, so this week we got what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark. Now we've seen lots of episodes where that one thing triggers so many different changes through the MCU. Now this one we knew was going to be a pretty big one because if there's no need for Tony Stark to devise the Iron Man suit, there's no Iron Man. There's no early version. There's no push because they needed that to form the Avengers until maybe later when Thor and Mjolnir arrive. But this one really took, I guess, cues from both Iron Man and Black Panther where Killmonger is the driving force who's who knows everything. He kind of feels in some fashion like Scarecrow in Titans, where he anticipates every possible outcome to win. What did you think so far of this episode? <laughs> that, that was ridiculous. That, part, that little last part. He wasn't... He was as... Like me and Gutter had actually talked about this yesterday. He's like... Killmonger was actually trained to, his whole unit was trained to destabilize governments and take, and you know, disable governments. So his plan was, hey, I'm going to, I want to destabilize Wakanda. So I can go into the, you know, Iron Man, I mean, the 
Stark servers, you know, who's a great weapons dealer who could quote unquote maybe have comparative weapons to Wakanda, figure out a way in there, which he did with Obadias. Obadias. If I could say one name correct today, I would love that. That'd be great. It ain't gonna. It's it's just not happening today. (laughs) Um, I mean, hey, if I can get Tony right, I think I'm calling that a a win. But but him trying to go in there, take he takes over basically Stark Enterprise to use that to draw out Wakanda. He takes out you know Chadwick Boseman once again. I mean, Black Panther. Not Chadwick Boseman. Well, I mean, you know, I was saying, you know, Chadwick Boseman once again makes an appearance as Black Panther. All right, so that was one issue I had. Like, how does he just magically know that's the one thing that can stop Black Panther's suit? Because he would know he would actually, or in this universe, he actually has Stark Tech, so he could actually analyze the vibranium and just like kind of in the comic book, Claw knows how that thing works and actually puts it in the Sonic cannon. He actually is like, okay, Sonic has a an opposite effect to Vibranium, so make a giant version of that. Again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> just, no way. <laughs> Like that was part of it. like, ah, ah. you know, I'm, I mean, I'm always salty anytime Black Panther loses a fight. I admit my bias in that, whether that's movies or cartoons or comic books. I'm like, nah, dude, sorry. Try again. So I just felt like if he was incapacitated, maybe that would have worked better, especially with the way this ended. But I did like how he was just working everybody. He was working Stark. And then he used Stark to use Claw to get into Wakanda to set up this invasion and everything. I did think it was kind of funny that Pepper was the only one who was really suspicious of Killmonger. I think that was kind of a bad look that they probably didn't really anticipate how it looked that Pepper, the lone white woman, was distrustful of the black guy. Mm. If you kind of somebody who is looking out, probably she's probably one of the only people beside Happy who really looks out for Tony and looks out for his worst instincts. So it's like Tony, this you're not maybe you know in that universe he's not you're super trusting in this dude. I mean yes he saved you and yes, but he's Johnny on the spot saved you versus it actually looks like it could be a coincidence. So. It, did, it it wasn't like he was she was talking down to him like he you know <laughs> like he didn't walk you know, he didn't walk into Supergirl right that's that's a good point exactly. all right so then the invasion takes place Killmonger is the hero I thought it was interesting that they shifted to make Ramonda Queen Ramonda the general of the army that was weird in the sense that why if Okoye is right there you would put the queen at risk in any circumstance. Like, what's the king doing? Shouldn't he be in his Black Panther outfit? And then, of course, why is he not still Black Panther? Because he should be older, not, like, gray and, like, he's he had T'Challa and Shuri uh, 30 years apart, and Shuri was the surprise kid. Um, he should be a little bit older, I mean, younger, because this is the 90s, 
No, I mean, because, you no. know, Civil War takes place, what, six years, seven years from Iron Man? No, but, but remember, okay. Remember, uh, there's only one Black Panther, so it's not it's not a scenario where, I mean, you could make a case that he would have, as soon as his son was dead, he would have re-upped his Black Panther, but it's like, at that point, he actually is. It's like, I'm too old to be Wakanda's protector. Are you saying so he's Danny Glover me, now? I'm too old for this stuff. Okay. Yes, I am. All right. Okay. So they were just like hoping at some point they put the mantle of Black Panther on to somebody. Hey, look, my nephew finally showed up. Great. You can be Black Panther. You know, I'm not, I, there's a whole lot of landmines I'm going to try okay. not to step into, so I'm going to avoid those. Okay, you're a smart kid. All right, so then um, the episode is like, the Watcher's like, yo, this is messed up. Killmonger's villain. He's done his thing. And then, you know, I'm like, you know, I try not to watch the time on these deals because I don't want to know when it's ending. But Shuri somehow has gotten a flight to New York she didn't tell her father or mother or Koye or any of the Dora Milaje. I don't know if we can trust this dude. So she decides to go to New York to the one person that she definitely can trust. Pepper Potts? Oh, okay. See, that's oversimplification. She did she went she broke into Stark Text C C L O some one title. She broke into their computer. And it actually had the footage that, of Jarvis that Killmonger had not finished erasing. She and needed to go her, there to do that? You would probably have to, if you need to get into somebody's mainframe, you got to go where the mainframe is. But she understands, or will understand, how to put together Vision better than Stark and Banner. I figure she could do some Felicity-level hacking. Note that I said Felicity and not uh, Curtis. Uh, again, Jeff, felicity is fiction, okay? It doesn't happen. Nobody can, hey, Jeff, nobody can make a Betamax and just put in a, a, a little cord. It actually hangs a little bit of a process. Yeah, but I, I was really curious as to why she would go to her as opposed to maybe, I don't know, no, Nick Fury? Like, telling him nobody about that. Nick Fury. You remember Nick Fury's in the channel. I, you know, I just, I didn't understand why she would go to Pepper. Like, that was a real odd thing for me. Like, Pepper can't do anything. Oh, I see. I see you're on, you're on, you're playing Tripwire right now. The Joe's uh, line detector <laughs> specialist. Gotcha. Okay. All right. No problem. Uh, no nine, problem. nine, five. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But, <laughs> I, I, again, I will, I, I'm, I'm probably going to say, this is the first, I mean, I think we've all said some of these what ifs. We were like, oh, I totally would like to see more. Oh, there's a whole universe I'd love this for. This was the first one. It felt like an incomplete story. It was like, wait, we're ending? Like, yeah. there's no resolution. Like, the Doctor Strange one was perfect. It was like, that was 30 minutes. Good. This one was like, well, no, 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 no. I need at least some kind of resolution. We're putting them in handcuffs. Are the Dora Milaje going to take them out? Like, you know, we're going to see an almost fight ready to happen. It's just, okay, we've got him red-handed. Take care. And I also felt like, like you, this needed more. 
Like, hopefully they will follow up on season two with this one because I feel like Nick Fury still has his Avengers initiative in his back pocket. Majolner's still crashing to Earth. Loki and Thor are both coming. So, and Hulk should have been dealing with General Ross on the college campus anyway. Like, none of those things were a direct result of Tony Stark. So, Hulk should be around. Thor should be around. Hawkeye, Black Widow by proxy. And then Captain America. Because the Avengers don't do anything to make him surface like they do in the comics. So, we've got the Avengers minus Iron Man to take on... Wakanda. Uh, Wakanda. Well... What, 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 no, 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 no. That, they would have to go if... if uh, going the way... Killmonger was working. Somehow the king would have an accident, and then the only and because it would be a war, nobody would try and have some a uh, uh, a conclave to who decide who's the next Black Panther and king. It would be one hundred percent Killmonger. He would go exactly like he was trying to do in Black Panther. He'd send the war, send the war to the war dogs. Wait, wait, start wait, it wait, up. Wait, wait, though. He could be Black Panther. Sure, he's next in line to have the crown after Ramonda. Again, yes, yes. If if you want to be, t- if you're a technical guest, but do you think Killmonger would let them have five seconds to, to have rational thought? Nah, man, we got to get this done. We ain't got time for this. I'm sorry, my accent's horrible to that. But he would be ready to be like, nah, I've, I've thought of this. I will put these guys in such a war frenzy. They're not going to think of Shuri, who may be more analytical. And he's like, he's a warrior. He's a soldier. He, we got to put him in there. He, he's got to be king. We don't have time to think. Sure. Sure. And yeah, that video is probably doctored. It's, you know, it's, you know, one of those terms we don't want to use on this show. We got to sit in him. He's the, he's a king now. I don't know about that. But hopefully we do see season two with the Avengers taking on Killmonger's Wakanda. And Shuri as the ace in the hole for the Avengers. Maybe uh, Captain America puts on a suit of armor to fight Killmonger with sonic beams. I don't know. I mean, maybe she equips Hawkeye and Black Widow with sonic tech that can stop Killmonger's suit. I did think it was interesting that he was wearing the black and gold that Shuri designs much later for her brother. She had that in her back pocket, man. Yeah, yeah. Remember, it wasn't. It wasn't hanging. It was hanging back there whenever he wanted it. I got you. I got you. I just, yeah. It was, yeah. You, you were doing pretty well on that. I f- still feel like your hit ratio was pretty bad, but I think you did manage to navigate some of those minds pretty well. So I think for all the episodes of What If had been really good. I think this one was my least favorite, just because I wanted more from it, and it didn't. Like they've had some ambiguous, ambiguous, ambiguous. Woo! I won't say that word right at all. Let's say this: some endings that were very uncertain, less definitive. And I feel like this one was like, "Yo, you guys need to end this episode." So it was like there are way too many questions because Pepper and Shuri do not stop a uh, Killmonger after he's already taken out. Uh, Iron Man, War Machine, Black Panther, and I guess by proxy as well, Vision. So, yeah. Lots of stuff. Maybe Banner would just go on to make a a nice and kind murder bot so Ultron could help the Avengers. Or maybe hate Pym. He's already destroyed like two There you go. There's a thought. All right. It's that time. Do you have any nominees 
for dummies of the week. Oh my. Yeah, so I got an easy one. Perfect. And I love easy ones. Every late night comic has been just dogging this one because it is just so bad. Uh my dummy of the week is uh is Nicki Minaj. Um she said she was not didn't want to go to the Met Gala because they were requiring COVID vaccines. And she heard from her cousin that he became impotent. Because he got the COVID vaccine and his uh, manhood was uh, too swollen. And everyone basically just had a, a just, I mean, we rightfully just said, like, so COVID vaccine makes you impotent magically and your, you know, your junk swells up. And I'm, tell, I mean, from probably the millions and millions of people who've had the vaccine, that has not been one of those side effects. If you just say you don't want to go do it, don't come up with stupid stories. Or you can list, not listen to your cousin who tells you that story, because that'll be like the cousin who says, like, yo, I did not catch that STD because I had sex with that girl. It was because I was sitting on the toilet seat. Also pretty stupid. So listening to that story makes her my dummy of the week. My dummy of the week is whoever decided it was a good idea to remake The Bodyguard once again. And there's just no need for it. Two, who is going to sing those songs if Whitney Houston or Dolly Parton is not going to do that? I just feel like they're going to pull out some hack talent like Camila Cabello. Maybe they'd probably make her be the, the singer. She's kind of like a snotty, nasty person in real life. So maybe they could have her play that and have her very poorly sing all of those iconic songs, just like they did with Cinderella. Okay, Jeff, seriously, if that is off, that is a role that is offered to any singer, I'm hoping their agent says, hey, no, do not have that comparison because somebody's going to make sure that the most requested song of the date that week that debuts is Whitney Houston's version of your song. And then they're going to be like, yeah, that wasn't a good look. Yeah, yes, yes, it's going to be me. I will call in or dial in or whatever the heck people do to request stuff on the radio these days. I try to. You literally have that. A bot playing on your on on your computer screen, like okay, L.A., New York, yep, 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 we're good to go. I would do all right. I would do all those things to ensure <laughs> that it gets sabotaged. All right, bro, shot. Thank you for rolling with me this week, as always. Thank you all out there for listening. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files has been filed.